Every day, Comcast Business is helping businesses big and small go beyond the expected to do the extraordinary. Because beyond a simple transaction, there is making a customer for life. Comcast Business. Beyond fast. Take your business beyond at ComcastBusiness.com. Broadcasting live from the Buckhead Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Legal Experts. All right, Rich Casanova here, uh, sitting in for Miss Emily Rao for Atlanta Legal Experts Radio Show. We have a great lineup of uh, stellar guests here joining us in the studio. And um, we want to first uh, thank uh, our sponsors for uh, making uh, Atlanta Legal Experts possible, brought to you in part by these fine sponsors, Peachtree Offices. From virtual offices, meeting rooms, day offices, to full turnkey, ready-to-move-in executive suites, visit peachtreeoffices.com. And to uh, a thank you and shout-out goes, I don't know if they still do shout-outs or not, but uh, we'll, we'll find out on that. But um, 3A Law Practice Management, devoted to helping lawyers start and grow their practice. Check out their lawyer survival kit and all their services at 3A Law Practices Management.com. And finally, to our friends at Atlanta's John Marshall Law School. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5000. Enjoy. Educating attorneys for over 80 years, and they're ranked number four of the most diverse law schools in America. Now accepting applications for spring semester 2016, visit johnmarshall.edu. All of our sponsor information will be found at atlantalegalexperts.com. And once again, Rich Casanova here for uh, today's uh, show. And we want to just uh, say uh, a quick... Um, uh, hi, an introduction to those folks joining us in the studio, and we'll, we'll jump into our first guest. But first joining us in the studio, uh, we have Edwin, and I was practicing his name, um, uh, Scal Scalar? All right, I got a head nod, so I'm <laughs> guessing that's, I, I read a green light. Uh, Edwin, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, and you'll be chatting a little bit later in the segment about uh, what area of practice, and tell us a little bit of a teaser for your segment. We do uh, general business litigation, including securities, intellectual property, legal malpractice. All right. And uh, how long have you been uh, wearing that hat? 35 years. Well, so you're definitely, and you put the expert in Atlanta Legal Experts, I would think so. There'll be a test a little bit later. Are you ready for that? Uh, we'll find out. <laughs> Bring it on. He says, he gives me a nod like, are you kidding me? All right. So, uh, and uh, also joining us in the studio, uh, Jonathan Mason. Jonathan, welcome to the show. All right. It's good to be here. Absolutely. And um, you have an interesting uh, bio. We don't want to give away too much information, but uh, tell us a little bit about um, what you might be chatting about this morning. Well, I'm going to be talking about, I consider cool things like <laughs> entertainment law and trademark law, especially as it relates to entertainment, sports, music things like that. I always love music and 
set out to go in that direction once I started, you know, my career. Yeah. And so I've been able to work that in. Well, you definitely have an interesting story, according to your bio, at least, whatever. So we'll find out uh, a little bit more about that. And um, I know you specialize in entertainment, but in business, I'd be interested in uh, conversations about the difference in trademark as opposed to uh, copyrights or registrations, right? Is that in kind of in your wheelhouse? Or, uh, oh, yeah. And, okay, yeah. Uh, and I'm sure Edwin could probably chime in on that, too. All but right, yeah, perfect, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll definitely get that covered today. Okay. Well, if not during your segment, maybe during the roundtable. Right. But uh, joining us uh, first up in the studio, um, we want to welcome Lisa Siegel to the show. And um, good morning, first of all. Hi, Rich. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're going to have a great show here this morning. Let me tell our folks a little bit about yourself and feel free to uh, to add or uh, elaborate on. Uh, so your law practice is dedicated to the representation of the injured and disabled. You've been involved in that in trial work during your entire 26 year career, uh, successfully handled uh, litigation procedures and hundreds of cases, um, hearings and administration matters. And your law firm is lo located here in Atlanta. Um, and Again, focusing on the representation of adults and children, but specifically in Social Security disability cases. That's right. I think you've got you've got that. Right. Sounds like a lot, but hit, yeah, that's correct. Hit on all the cylinders. Yeah, yeah. it's a uh, that's a lot to wrap up in a 26 year career. There's a lot of stories, uh, right? Well, that is that is correct. I have stayed primarily in some fa facet of healthcare law. Okay. Um, so yeah, I got a, a start in insurance defense. I've worked in uh, Washington D.C. with healthcare. Um, plaintiff's personal injury, and uh, out of that, out of the plaintiff's personal injury practice grew my disability practice. So now I focus 100% on Social Security disability as well as private insurance disability. Well, any of those, you talk in the healthcare industry, disability, insurance, uh, litigation issues, I Gets mean, that's complicated, yeah. Doesn't it? yeah. <laughs> it's a lot more complicated than radio. All we have to do is turn on this on air light. We're good know. to go. Yeah. I don't know. You're scaring me in here with all these buttons. Yeah, so there I are a lot know. of moving parts, yeah. but yeah. We'll just stick to our, our, our own expertise. Yeah. Well, so far, no one's actually been injured during the recording of our show. So just relax, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so talk to us about um, the difficulty in winning a social security disability uh, in terms of benefits today. Well, what are some challenges with that, I guess? Or? Uh, there's, there's a lot of mis, uh, misconceptions. Um, many people think that you'll always be denied. That's not the case. You're not always denied. In many cases, uh, we, our office handles from application through the hearing level, so we see approvals at application that does happen. It tends to be a certain type of case that's going to get approved right away. We can usually pinpoint that. You should know that um, less than 40% right now at, in Georgia are being approved on the first application. So... So you're going to get a denial statistically more likely than not. Um, yeah, I mean, I've had some family members in a uh, situation, and it is, I don't know if it's a misnomer, just like you said, the misperception, but it does seem like um, uh, many people are denied. But, it's, but it is the highest percentage in that first round. And is there, what do you attribute that to? Is that kind of built into the system to kind of... It's uh, a little bit of vetting uh, filtering correct. process? I would say there's a certain, without getting too complicated, yeah. the application is, the initial application is geared to people that are going to meet a medical listing. So on paper, they're going to have a condition that's going to already be considered disabling. Once the decision-making process becomes more subjective, um, it probably will end up being at a hearing level in front of an administrative law judge. That process can take almost two years. Wow. Well, feel free to get co get complicated on this unless you see me <laughs> nodding off or whatever. Yeah, then you want to pull it back a little bit. Yeah. So uh, so what is some of the top reasons claims are denied or approved, I guess? Yeah. Claims are denied usually because there's not enough medical evidence. So one of the challenges in this area is many people lose their job because they can't work for medical reasons. Then they lose their health insurance. Then they can't treat with the doctor. 
then they don't build a health care record to show that they're disabled and then they go into social security or with the private insurance to apply for disability with a pretty thin medical record so that is always one of the biggest challenges because it's a it's a catch-22 situation and it's the proverbial um just spiral effect and snowball that uh right one triggers another and it's hard to kind of people you know you lose your income you lose your health care um with the affordable care act i'm seeing some that's actually really helping some people who have lost their jobs and are able to buy insurance on the private market or help help out many times families families have to step in and help i mean it really you know people need a safety net sometimes the safety net is the people that love you so that is Uh, often the most helpful. But to get back to your question, which was why are people not approved, sometimes not having enough medical evidence. Um, some people some people may not be there yet. An- another process is pe- a lot of people maybe, mis- uh, maybe misinterpret what the rules are with Social Security. Social Security is actually a pretty stuff tough standard to meet okay sorry it's awfully early so now. i had one gi- cup of coffee this morning <laughs> so i'm sorry so, about that so they're not just giving out money or whatever yeah can't walk just down that's there i got a social security <laughs> number another misperception <laughs> right is that it's a bank that spits out money like an atm it does it um it's a tough standard the standard is you cannot do any work in the national economy so even for example yourself rich at a radio station you might not be able to do radio if you lose your voice but that doesn't mean you can't do something else and there. are Lots of other jobs out there, and Social Security employees, you know, uh, consultants, vocational experts, to find other jobs that you might be able to do, even with your medical limitations. So, a point of clarification. I don't know if that's a legal term, but uh, <laughs> it sounds it sounds good, right? Yeah. So, you're calling what I'm doing work? Is that what you're saying? Yes, I, it looks like it? fun, though. <laughs> it is, yeah. Uh, yeah, don't tell other people whatever. Yeah. Um, so, talk to us about the main differences of a disability case involving, uh, you know, the elderly or adults as, as opposed to children. Uh, some main well, distinctions there are there's really two two areas of law many people don't realize that children are entitled to disability that's a week at any a, age basically well, children stop being children at 18 right, so yeah. there is that legal i hate to throw the law in there on you but that, that <laughs> right. does work that way um the children's program children's disability is a means-tested program that means that you, it only applies to low-income individuals Uh, The reason there is a children's disability program is many families with disabled children. One of the parents isn't able to work. Um, To give an example, a child with hemophilia, for example, which is a blood condition in which your blood doesn't clot, many daycare programs and schools can't take that child. So that child has to become a a home-based child, which will often preclude employment for a parent. So for a low-income family, that can be devastating. For that reason, there is a children's disability program. Now, your question was, what's the difference? Yeah. Well, Social Security evaluates adults as to whether or not they can work. Since we know children don't work and we don't like children to work, uh, Social Security evaluates children as to whether or not their six domains of, of, of happiness and livelihood are affected in some severe way. For example, their ability to learn, their ability to interact with others, their health and well-being, their ability to care for themselves. Social Security has a six-domain six area evaluation on that. But again, that's a severe test for disability for children as well. Yeah, I mean, you, you, um, as harsh as it may sound, you really do need those kind of checks and balances in there so that, um, you know, we're just not paying, end up paying 90% in taxes or whatever, right? <laughs> well, unfortunately, many people fear that we are overpaying in the disability program. Really? Uh, well, it seems like the, the climate sometimes is that everyone's, and even my own clients sometimes think everybody's getting a check but me, when in fact Social Security has been really tight these last few years. It's been very difficult um, for even good cases to get through the system um, and for people that need the benefits and needed them yesterday to be awarded benefits. Well, I think um, without getting political, I think most people would um, 
feel if someone is at a severe disadvantage, that's what kind of that safety net uh, where we come into play as all citizens of this great country. But at the same time, you do need those safeguards in there, right? So that people just don't take advantage of the system. And Cer- Certainly. And, and one thing that I think adding to the misperception is if, in terms of fraud in the system, I can't say that I see a lot of that. Really? You see a lot on TV, whatever. There's always those investigative <laughs> reporters story. and they have cameras and uh, <laughs> you know, the person on crutches and then they're out playing hockey or whatever. It's right? a great story. <laughs> People like to read it and 60 yeah. Minutes does a good but it's job. It's not as and, prevalent as... Uh, well, listen, there's going to be fraud in any program. Yeah. I think the fraud is running about 4%. They're certainly working on it, and they put a lot of effort into it. And and I'm against fraud. Don't, I'm not I'm not <laughs> advocating yeah. fraud. Raise your hand it. if you're in favor of fraud. <laughs> it ruins it for my clients who need it. Absolutely. It makes the system harder, and that's, that's really unfair. But, in, you know, in terms of the people, what I see, Rich, a lot of people who really needed it yesterday and are suffering and don't have money and are getting close to homelessness and basically are walking with walkers and wheelchairs and have – paid into the system, worked hard, maybe not made it to full retirement age, but are 55 and 56 working in a hard, heavy construction, heavy exertion labor area, and are no longer able to make it for a vast variety of chronic diseases, um, can't get Social Security disability because of so many protections built into the program. So I would like to see that that loosened up a little bit so that the deserving people can actually not be moving into our homeless shelters or having to decide what they're going to eat every day. Right. Four um, percent is lower than I expected, but um, that's it, reported on the Social Security website. So still a little relative because it's mm-hmm. kind of like they say uh, FedEx and uh, UPS. You know, they operate at uh, it's crazy, insane percentages. Ninety nine point some nines and a bunch of uh, it's after that. But when you uh, roll it across the entire platform, it's a staggering amount of packages that are you know, not delivered. So that 4% across the entire program is still could be pretty substantial, but they're trying to, I don't know if you know uh, where that typically falls. You know, has there been a high point during the last 26 years that you can think, or has it been lower? That may be fair. Um, There may be some points in which Social Security has gotten more proactive. You know, certainly funding for Social Security would help. Congressional funding would certainly help Social Security have programs so that they could fight any fraudulent means. It isn't so much in the initial phase. There's a very tough standard to get Social Security disability. I suspect what happens is that people um, are receiving disability and then they find accommodating employment might go back to work and forget to tell Social Security (laughs) that they're also drawing a paycheck. Forget in air (laughs) quotes or whatever, yeah. So catching those people who've gone back to work um, could be an effort. But, you know, Uh, that takes money, too. That creates funding to to. like you said, it's that catch twenty two. It's like, what you know, you have to raise money to chase the money, and then uh, at some point, yeah. not that you write it off, but it's it becomes a law of diminishing. Recently, it, it of interest, Social Security spent more money chasing money than they recollected. So See, that there you, know, you go. There, it, that wasn't an effective use of our <laughs> of our taxpayers' dollars. Right. But if you don't do some of that chasing, then people, uh, the word gets out on the street, right? You it's don't like want to be lax about it. No, yeah. no. It's, it's a, I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions, right? <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to, um, uh, so someone that's listening right now, and they have a family member themselves considering that they may, um, they're being to be in a position to, um, you know, draw on those disability benefits. What are some uh, advice that you would give them, some points? Well, listen, it's always good to educate yourself as to what you need to do. It's a daunting process. It can be difficult for anyone uh, at at any level of uh, educational background or expertise. It can be difficult to get through the process. Social Security's done a really good job with its website uh, that you can apply online, so that's fantastic. That website is ssa.gov. 
Um, but sometimes people still are, are unclear. It, our law firm does represent people at the initial application. We're always helping, help, happy to help people through the initial application. We file it online. We file it on paper. Um, if you get a, you know, if you get a denial, you're going to have to file an appeal. You've got 60 days. Many people miss those deadlines. It's really critical once you've got an application pending that you stay on top of it, keep up with your paperwork. If you start getting denials, you're going to want to con contact an attorney. Yeah, that was my next question. You may have alluded to it a little bit. At what point do you typically come into the uh, process? Uh, you mentioned at the beginning, but at all, at any juncture? or Well, I love to get, get in at the beginning cause, sure. because, frankly, I can keep the car out of the ditch. So I don't <laughs> like it when the car goes in the ditch, but I'll take those cases, too. We switched gears all of a sudden. I know that there was cars involved in disability. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's just a metaphor. Yeah, I know. I, I like I, it. I got so, you. Um, we will help people with the initial application get the process going. Um, people also call us when they've had a denial. We'll do the reconsideration appeal, and we do plenty of hearings. Fifty percent of our caseload is at the hearing level. Most of those cases um, are going to go in front of a judge. The average person does not want to go in front of a judge by themselves. It is always a good idea to contact an attorney because you're going to have a hearing with evidence. You need a brief. You need to know what evidence you need and what law to apply. Exactly. Yeah, it's like uh, there's a lot of moving parts to that. Right? <laughs> right. You don't have to have an attorney to go to go before the Social Security Administration, and you don't have to have an attorney to file an application. But right. I like to think that we can keep um, the process moving in a in a safe so, and sound way, at least for and, people. And somewhat expedited, though. Although, uh, like you said, you could look up to two years. Um, so that you is the average. To, that is the crazy. average wait time. Now, let me just throw out this because that's a little unfair to people that are severely, you know, have some severe yeah, chronic and perhaps fatal illnesses. Yeah. Social Security does have a program called Compassion Allowance in which several of several diseases, conditions, um, for example, many stage four cancers, for example, right. might be on that list. We can fast track any case that is on that meets one of those listing and get a decision within about three weeks. Okay, yeah, definitely kind of like the, the emergency room version, right? We're going to triage some, yeah, yeah. some conditions. Um, so talk to us about, uh, in your position, you must run into, I mean, how do you balance and deal with the day-to-day, -day, the emotional uh, issues with the folks you're coming across? You're catching them at a very... Um, it's a tough time. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it definitely is. Well, I'd like to think that I know all my clients, and I do. <laughs> I mean, I like to know all their stories, and I like to know their stories, and, and they also have compelling issues, though we do do a high-volume practice. Um, it's still hands-on, so uh, how do I balance it emotionally? Yeah, I, I mean, mean, can you turn that off at the end of the day? Sometimes, you know, sometimes some of my clients I, I do get very invested in. It's hard yeah, not yeah. to. They have some, you know, some compelling stories. Really, I try to set up some boundaries in t terms of what can I help them with and what I can. Right. I try to just be the lawyer. I'm not, I can't do financial advice. <laughs> Nobody would want me to. I'm not a doctor, so I try to hand that off to other people. But I try to steer people in directions in which they can get the help they need. And many times they need governmental services. Um, you know, many of our, our community health care clinics are, do a great job of taking care of uh, the indigent that don't have access to health care. Many people don't know about that, steering them towards um, food stamps, homeless shelters. Yeah, and um, it's probably a whole other episode or show when you talk about uh, stories or issues, challenges when you involve all these different family members, right? Uh, well, that's true. Ideally, you want to just that's deal true. with one person, but you have the <laughs> in-laws, the outlaws. The <laughs> one thing that I do like yeah. about this practice, it's not particularly adversarial. People actually okay. are are yeah. in need and they are very grateful uh, of the help you need. I find it's a sort of a quasi social work yeah. legal practice. And so we're not really fighting too much. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We have a yeah. lot of um, 
uh, divorce attorney lawyers that come through the show. And yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's probably more it's in their wheelhouse. As, <laughs> it's not as contentious, what we're yeah. really trying to, yeah. Yeah, you're trying to there to help Sir them. judges are a little contentious, but other than that, it's a pretty... <laughs> hey, now, don't mention any names. We're trying to stay on the air there, at least, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, they know who they are. Yeah. I don't have to stay here. <laughs> so tell our listeners the best way to, uh, to find out, reach out to you and your practice. Well, uh, you can certainly find me at my blog, which is uh, georgiadisabilitylawyerblog.com. That's a mouthful. Uh, you can contact me. You could just type in Lisa Smith Siegel on the, your Google search bar, and you can find me because I, hopefully I come up right away. Um, you can contact me at 404-255-9838. Cool. And, and uh, spell Siegel for us for those people that are uh, typing right now. It's S as in Sam, <laughs> I as in... You, know, you don't have to look at the board. She's looking at the board with her name on her. You know, you're right. I'm, I, I'm, I could get it wrong. You, know, yeah. you didn't give me my coffee this morning, so I really have better... You know, my son, here's here's a segue. My son once had a school project and he misspelled his last name. Oh, wow. We took a picture of it and put it on Facebook. It was so funny. Nice. I hope he's listening today. No, he's yeah. in school. I hope he's practicing. It's S-I-E-G-E-L to answer All right. your question. Thank you. <laughs> well, we, we had a uh, whiteboard typo. I'm going to blame it on the whiteboard. We don't have a spell check on the whiteboard. Not really a spell check. It was more a typo on Jonathan's uh, name. So uh, we're going to speak to Jonathan in just a moment. So Lisa, it's a pleasure having you Thank on the you. show. Thank you again. Thanks for your time and joining us here and maybe a little uh, follow-up roundtable conversation That's as well. It. And uh, before we jump into our next guest, we just want to remind our listeners, you're listening to Atlanta Legal Experts radio show. Rich Casanova here uh, filling the shoes. Um, well, hopefully they're flat shoes instead of high <laughs> heels or whatever Emily might be wearing typically in the studio. But Emily Rowell, um, our uh, week-to-week host. And um, once again, our sponsors, Peachtree Offices, find out about all their services, virtual offices, day offices, uh, right here at peachtreeoffices.com. And 3A Law, 3A Law Practice, uh, devoted to helping lawyers uh, start and grow their business. That's at 3A Law Practice Management.com. And finally, to our friends at Atlanta's John Marshall Law School. Uh, been doing their good work for over 80 years, and you can visit them just at johnmarshall.edu. All right, so um, let's uh, jump into our next guest right now, and um, uh, Jonathan Mason, welcome back to the show. Uh, so far, so good? So far, so good. <laughs> I'm wide awake. I'm All right, nice, go. nice, yeah. And uh, uh, and you brought in a, a, um, a granddaddy of a camera right here. We're excited. We're going to be excited to see really professional photos for this show as opposed to our... We, normally, we just sketch it out on the whiteboard and take a picture of us, stick figures, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, so... All right, so let's uh, let's chat a little bit and find out about Jonathan. Uh, so you're a, you're an attorney, a professor, and photographer. Therefore, the uh, the high end camera here in our studio. You were born and raised, as we mentioned, in Maryland, surrounded by farm animals, tobacco fields. Uh, but you were mu- grew up as a music junkie at an early age. Spent summers uh, in the tobacco fields to raise money for school clothes, and of course uh, to buy some of your favorite albums. That's right. Uh, and wh- I still what have are, those. Well, albums. yeah. What are co- what's on the short list uh, of a few of those? Well, of course. Jack Michael Jackson, all right, yeah, Prince, the King, yeah, you know the the really popular ones. I mean, right. you know, I was seventeen or eighteen, right, right. so I didn't really know the nuances. I had to kind of go with the main guys. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Well, you can't go wrong with those guys there. And you attended Howard University, uh, Stanford, and Georgetown Law, and now you own uh, your own firm founded specifically to serve the needs of creative individuals and, and com- companies in the music, television, film, theater, dance uh, industries. And uh, publishing industries, but I don't see radio on here anywhere. Is that um, it oh, must there. be left off the list? But we'll add, can we add that to the list? Absolutely, it's All on right. the list. I just I couldn't put everything. <laughs> Done deal. But you know, if I'd been thinking, that would have been number one. No worries. Well, we I just added it on the fly here. But speaking of that, with theater, television, film, we've been kicking around the idea about a um, uh, Atlanta um, entertainment radio show. 
I mean, we're in the Mecca, other than um, out west somewhere, and there's a town in California somewhere that's pretty famous for movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard of it, maybe. <laughs> but they're doing a boatload of stuff here, right? Yeah, we are. And I, I've actually thought about that before. And uh, even on our news, like on our local news, right. uh, I, I grew up around D.C., and there's this guy named Arch Campbell, and okay. he's kind of a nutty Not reporter. Archie Campbell. No. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but he used to cover entertainment events, yeah. and it would be on the news. Right. And I was like, God, we don't, we don't even have anyone here, like in Atlanta, who goes out to these big events that we have on and then the, you know one of our local news channel covers so we don't need the news we can just start it ourselves right <laughs> all right done deal yeah. Ed, uh well we'll drop the paperwork edwin you drop the paperwork for us yeah <laughs> be happy to <laughs> all right so we just got a new show right there but yeah I, we've definitely uh entertained the idea of no pun intended of a um, Atlanta entertainment radio from, from the business perspective. Our perspective would be so much like uh, all these movie deals going on, what kind of drives that. Uh, but enough about our future concepts. Let's talk about you right now. So uh, um, also interesting on your resume is the highlight of your career uh, at, to this point was representing a screenwriter during the O.J. Simpson trial. Whoa. Absolutely. I was uh, three years out of law school. I was working for the largest firm in North Carolina, which there's a benefit to working for a big firm. Right, it's yeah. like when something big happens, they come to the big firm. Right. And not solo guys like me, right, at right, least yeah. until you get a name for yourself. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was in my supervisor's office reporting on... If, if, you've ever, if you're familiar with big firms, they send you off to do some research project, you write a memo, and then you go in and you report that, your right, findings. Right. And I was doing that just ho so ho-hum. Yeah. And, and we got a call from another the, attorney in the, the firm. The phone call came We in. got the phone call. The call. And it was one of those, like when someone asks you, what are you doing Saturday night? And you don't know if it's going to be a good thing or it a depends, bad thing. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was exactly that call. And, um, and my supervisor whispers to me, Jonathan, take notes. I'm going to get you to handle this. And I'm right. like, oh, God, something else. Right. And then the other attorney starts describing it, and it's to work on this uh, situation, the OJ case, where this lady uh, who lived in North Carolina had a lot of materials that were very crucial to the defense to discredit the lead right, detective wow. who uh, said he'd never used a certain word on the stand, <laughs> and she had materials that could contradict that. And so uh, it turned into this huge hearing in North Carolina, and uh, Johnny Cochran and F. Lee Bailey were oh, really? there. Wow. People were lining the streets with signs, and it was, it was just uh, an amazing experience. Yeah, I mean, that was before really the... Um, the, the mega presence of the internet absolutely right and i have i still have the video where like i re recorded it all on vhs <laughs> I've, i have actually converted it at least to dvd but when you watch it and you watch the uh the credits on the yeah. shows and what internet presence there was was like prodigy.net <laughs> <laughs> right. and maybe aol you know like all AOL. the email addresses were prodigy <laughs> and right. aol that's a flashback yeah you need to put that on youtube that uh transfer that dvd oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah you need to do that to get a lot of traction um my only uh oj story was uh very short i was in um barcelona for the olympics and uh, uh, uh employed by a um, canard cruise line embarkation staff and OJ was on board. It was all VIP. I mean, these were the these the global presidents of the brands like American Express, Worldwide, what have you. And um, OJ and I were both in the buffet line, but uh, oh, wow. but that was about it. I think he was just using a, a fork and a spoon at the time, so I was fine. But the uh, but meanwhile, so um, so entertainment law, and you um, you professor your professor current professor at uh, Atlanta, uh, John Marshall Law School. I was there until last 
semester. Okay, so, from 2008. Right, I'm not, and uh-huh. it, right, exactly. Started okay. in 2008, and well, did entertainment law, and and I actually covered a lot within that uh, trademark, copyright, film, TV, music publishing. So kept me on my toes because uh, those students are tough out there. They want to. They ask a lot of tough questions. And the headline to your um, uh, bio here is you also, in addition to publishing, photographer, uh, what have you, background actor, and even appeared on the Oprah Winfrey show. Now, you got to tell that story. Well. <laughs> you didn't jump I on the did. couch, did you? No, I, I wasn't on the couch, <laughs> okay. fortunately. Um, it's kind of an embarrassing story in a way, well, but could... Oprah did this show in 2007 on the best places to find single men over 35. All right. And uh, so they went out to, I guess, find some right, of these yeah. example right, guys. Yeah. And, and someone I knew just happened to hear about it and said, oh, you should send your stuff in. Right. So they, um, I don't know, I got wow, picked. And there were 50 guys, and they flew us in and dang. picked us up in limos. And they took us, they took us shopping to get outfits for the show. They took, oh, us, nice. they took us to the Gap on right. Michigan <laughs> Avenue, and we had stylists there. <laughs> Uh, you know, and it, so it was, it was a pretty cool experience. Yes, yeah, that was way before uh, Tinder and um, oh, yeah, and what was the other um, uh, before all the social media reality TV shows? Oh, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. So you're an innovator and ahead of the curve, it seems to be. So now, now let's get down to business here. So talk to us about um, why entertainment law. Well, as you kind of mentioned in my bio, I, I grew up a music lover. Um, I used to admire like people like Barry Gordy, you know, founded right. Motown, and I was like, and actually, I tried to be a musician. I used to play trumpet, okay. and I, I liked I liked playing trumpet, but I wasn't. I, I had to face it, I, I wasn't good enough to yeah, be yeah. like a you know At that level make a, a living as a musician. I mean, I was okay. I couldn't sing, so that wasn't gonna work. So I said, you know what? <laughs> let me get in it maybe from the business right. side. And uh, I remember. Um, the last time I played trumpet, I, somehow I got hooked up with the local American Legion, and they want and they asked me to play Taps, okay. which is just the the saddest God. song you oh, can yeah. not possibly right. imagine. Taps yeah. at a funeral when I'm in middle school. Right. Oh wow. And one day I did it, and it was freezing cold. And um, Taps is an extremely hard song to really? play, and uh, has some really high notes at yeah. the end. And I said, I promise, if I get through it this time. I'm never playing this again. <laughs> exactly. And I kind of just dropped the, the whole music, the actual being a musician thing after that. I was kind of scarred by that whole experience. So so I just said, you know what? I'm going to be in the industry, but I'll just have to get into it from the business side. Business, and, yeah. I know um, you might appreciate this as a photographer. I've uh, dabbled in it over the years, done a little bit of, uh, in college we did, uh, photography in the dark room, you know, developing yeah, photos, all that good stuff. But I did a couple of weddings and the pressure was just too much because there's no do-overs. Yeah, I've done exactly. Yeah. And, and I, I feel said, the said, same exact said, way about no, weddings. No, thank it's you. Like, yep, that's it. Yeah, I'm done. So, um, so talk to us about uh, changes in entertainment uh, law and the industry uh, since you've been uh, in that space. Yeah, absolutely. Um, probably, I mean, you can really. I would trace it back to. Uh, you know, the rise of the internet and downloading music. I'm not going to mention any specific websites, <laughs> right. but we probably... Friendster? Or, uh, we, uh, no, that was the one before that. Napster. Napster, they're good. Yeah. Um, so prior to that, well, even if you go back before that, I saw this video once that said that the record business used to be the perfect business because it, the product was vinyl, right. it would break, it would wear out. If You, you couldn't copy you it could easily. You replicate it. If you... 
if you loaned it to someone and they didn't, you know, you had to get, you know, sometimes you got it back, sometimes you didn't. So you find yourself having to buy an album two or three times and you had to buy the whole album. You couldn't buy, well, maybe they sold singles, but it wasn't as big. You were just, the mindset was to buy albums. So then we went to cassettes and then we went to CDs and then, you know, now we're in uh, download. Well, we don't, people don't even really download as much anymore now. It's a streaming world now right, right. with, you know, Spotify, Pandora, yeah. Apple Music now. I know, yeah, hit the market. So with that, the revenues for the music companies have just plummeted. And right. so um, as a result, the income for like the participants has, you know, taking a dive as well so for people like me um and a lot of entertainment lawyers sometimes they charge on a percentage or even if they don't the the clients just aren't making as much as they used to and so um you know it's just gone and now uh, you know people release they release singles and like i said it's not even really a download world anymore it's like you know, people don't even, you know, I used to have my phone full of music files sure. and now I don't even need that. Sure, but yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it does make it very challenging to monetize that. But um, you um, uh, talking about the record, you just skipped right over the eight track. Uh, but that's oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I okay. remember. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. But, I, I, no, I mean, that those are really a- antiquated. Yeah, I remember uh, in Miami, <laughs> our cousins had VWs and uh, we'd put the eight track in there. But but meanwhile, but that's an interesting thing about the um, uh, the business model of the LP, right? And not only that the royalties, because that's kind of the holy grail, if you can develop a product, um, and a lot of authors are very successful at this, aka Chicken Soup for the Soul. Um, He's generated 150 spinoffs of that one title, right? Right. And like Robert Kiyosaki and these guys, but, um, but an album... You're right. It scratches. There's a shelf life to it. Right. Right. A book, you can still go buy to a used bookstore and buy uh, Dale Carnegie's book, right? Right. Um, exactly. And it can be passed around for generations. And an album, if you take care of it. But then, um, and you can't duplicate it. So, I mean, but uh, yeah, that's, um, but you're not recommending folks get back into the album business. Oh, uh, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> but what happened is the record company said, hmm, we've got to figure out other yeah. ways to make money. So then they started doing these deals, which were all inclusive. They referred to them as 360 deals where they said, hmm, we're making you a big star. So we're going to start taking a percentage of your money you make from TV, from your books, from your uh, any other kind of business, right. that you, clothing lines, your music publishing, your touring. So we're not just going to concentrate on money from your album sales. We're going to take money from your brand, your whole brand, because we create your brand. And so and especially when the star is early and starving, you know, not even the starving artist, but just early in the career, um, they may not know any better or they can't foresee the future. And uh, I mean, uh, there's many examples, but I think of Billy Joel was probably uh, where he sold off a lot of his rights right. and for 20 years the, the uh, whoever owned that, right? Right, exactly. And he had to buy it out for a fortune. That's true. And um, there's actually like videos on uh, YouTube like of uh, Paul McCartney talking about how when the Beatles first started out, they they oh, yeah. thought that songs were owned by the universe. <laughs> but there were, believe me, <laughs> yeah. there was someone around them who knew Such that innocent songs Innocent days, those young Beatles. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and so, and we, we, you know, we all probably famously know the story of, Michael Jackson buying, you know, the Beatles uh, yeah. catalog. The, yeah. Or, yeah. So um, so even they, you know, a super group like that, I mean, they were starting out, they didn't understand all the intricacies of, right. of business law. And that stuff has long, you know, long-term oh, implications. I mean, time. he talks about having to pay royalties to play his own songs at it's a show. That's kind of crazy. It is bizarre. 
uh, that's why we don't play any music here. Uh, I understand uh, for broadcasting, it's like uh, $250,000 for the BMI you know, license arrangements and uh, I was ASCAP right, yeah. as well. So, um, so talk to us about um, uh, what's the most rewarding part of your practice? Um, well, I have a soft spot for helping the small guys. And so now with technology, um, people can create amazing music and even films out of their, off of their kitchen tables, out of their basements, their home studios. So um, to help someone spawn that idea and to do it, you know, with all the proper paperwork and everything is just, it's really rewarding. Um, a specific example is um, I had a relatively unknown client, but he wrote a song that he thought was going to be perfect for a, a major, well, actually one of the Fast and Furious movies. Oh, wow. And uh, so we found a way to get the song to the music supervisor. Um, they loved it. Um, we had some kind of tense negotiations right. because we didn't have any leverage. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't be too greedy. <laughs> you got to be creative. But we got the song in the on the score of the movie. And so, you know, everybody's leaving when the credit. And I was like, no, I've got to stay to see the credits. Because right. I want to see my client's name on that screen. Oh, yeah. And those credits. And I just sat there and it just like. It's the best oh, feeling. Oh, big time. Yeah, the feeling. And that lives in perpetuity. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If it was these days, it was a while ago, I would have my cell phone there and take a <laughs> picture of the screen, <laughs> right, yeah. of the credit on screen. Big time. <laughs> um, all right. So, um, so tell our folks, uh, what's the best way to, to find out about you and, uh, and reach out to you for your services? Sure. My website is atlshowbizlaw.com. It's S-H-O-B-I-Z. Well, A-T-L, like Atlanta. Uh-huh. S-H-O-B-I-Z.com. I also use that on Twitter, so I tweet a lot of helpful information about the entertainment industry, so okay. at ATL, Showbiz Law. Right. If you want to pick up the phone and call me, it's 404-920-8040. All right, well, uh, Jonathan, a pleasure having you here in the studio and on the show, and um, just an uh, interesting backstory, but also more pertinent to business, your, your wealth of knowledge and expertise in that area as well. And we'll talk later about right. the show and right. uh, maybe some trademark uh, okay. questions in the follow-up segment. Right. Thank you. All right, absolutely. So um, uh, joining us in the studio now, we'd like to say our anchor man, uh, <laughs> kind of bring us home here and uh, wrap it all together. Um, and uh, Edwin, remind our listeners how you pronounce your last name. Scalar. Scalar, that's what I was going to say. Uh, so uh, Edwin Scalar, so you're the uh, founding partner of Scalar and uh, Heim LLC. Litigation boutique uh, headquartered in Buckhead, right here out our window, possibly yes. in the neighborhood. Resurgence Plaza. Okay, nice. And uh, you represent clients in uh, complex business disputes, often related to legal malpractice, securities, intellectual property, and estate litigation. I definitely want to talk about some uh, if you have an intellectual property story to share. But you're a graduate of uh, graduate. <laughs> you're a graduate of Emory Law School. You begin your career as a trial attorney in the United States Army. Uh, thank you for your service there. And stationed in the Military District of Washington uh, in Washington. Um, you were a spe special assistant United States attorney and prosecuted cases for uh, special jurisdiction, including the White House. So talk to us. You have a couple of White House or foreign embassy stories. How much time there? Uh, four years. That was right out of law school. I knew I wanted to be a trial lawyer. Um, that's a great way to get trial experience as an assistant U.S. attorney. And I was fortunate to have President Reagan select oh. me to be the special prosecutor for the White House, the embassies, CIA, the Pentagon, and some other sensitive areas in D.C. Wow, that's pretty—I was going to ask who was the president at the time. So um, all under Reagan then? 
the first few months under President Carter, but okay. the other uh, three and a half years under President Reagan. Wow. Um, any much face-to-face time there? or uh, A little bit. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Got to eat some jelly beans. Well, I was going to ask you that proverbial question, but yeah. So, um, uh, so um, well, I do have, I, I'm a fan of Reagan, so, but let's, let's get into um, uh, your talking points here. But, um, so, but you also um, spent some several years litigation in the Department of Atlanta office of the global law firm Jones Day. Talk to us about that. Well, Jones Day at the time was the world's largest firm. Uh, They acquired my old firm, Hansel & Post, that was a large firm here in Atlanta. And um, I was there for several years after I came back to Atlanta. The world's, literally, the world's largest law firm. Back then. Back in the day, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what would that look like? I I mean, how many people are we talking about? What type of clients are they... Uh, dealing with? I think there were about 1,400 lawyers Jeez. in something like 10 different countries. And and um, whom some of my, their clients be? At the, time? the world's largest companies. I mean, that's... Um, and what was your position there? Uh, I was a litigator and um, in the Atlanta office. Okay. Um, so talk to us about, um, you know, issues and claims that lead to uh, legal malpractice. Well, lawyers make mistakes. Serious? Just like everyone else, yes. Um, And uh, sometimes those mistakes can be extremely costly. Um, One of our larger cases here in recent years, we represented General Electric and Bank of New York Mellon and some other clients who were suing Atlanta's largest firm, Austin & Bird, because of a, uh, a botched... Uh, financing uh, transaction for a venture capital fund. And to the tune of what type of numbers we're talking? Well, there were the allegations of damages were many millions of dollars. Wow. Um, And how long might you spend on something like on a case like that? That case (laughs) took a few years. (laughs) It was bitterly fought. There was approximately 40 to 50 fully briefed motions. Uh, We had two different special masters who were basically uh, signed by the judge to decide issues in the case. And they were fighting as hard as they could. And finally, they appealed to the Georgia Court of Appeals. They lost that. And then they settled the case. So when you're dealing uh, on a case of that magnitude, is it possible to handle any other case at that time, or is that just pretty much all your energy? We have a small firm. Right. So usually we have a very few cases. Right. Unlike many law firms that have a large yeah. volume of cases, right. we generally take very large cases, but very few of them. Okay. So at any given time, we'll have anywhere from five to seven or eight cases. That's about all we can handle. Sure. And do well. Right. Sure. (laughs) Um, So um, uh, what advice might you know? It's got to be challenging as a member of the bar uh, handling cases against other attorneys, right? I mean, that's tricky is is an understatement. Yes or yes? Well, I guess it depends on your personality. Okay. You know, people have emotions. They get upset. They don't like to be sued. 
That's obvious. <laughs> but, you know, the reality is, like doctors, architects, other professionals, and everybody else that's ever been born, right. lawyers make mistakes. Um, sometimes those mistakes are just inadvertence, where they don't do something they should have done. Sometimes they were born out of, frankly, a desire to do more work than they're capable of doing, and they don't pay attention to a case and miss a filing deadline. Um, it happens a lot. Sometimes lawyers take a case and they're not organized. They don't get back to the client. Time goes by. Statutes of limitations expire. All that happens, and those clients need lawyers to represent them against other lawyers. I think the only person that has never made a mistake that I can think of is uh, Donald Trump, at least according to him, right? Oh, he's made plenty of mistakes. <laughs> but, but don't, he, he wouldn't admit to any of those, right? So well, a lot of people don't admit to their mistakes. Yeah. That's why you need lawyers to sue them. <laughs> exactly. To clarify, to tell you what your mistakes are, yeah. Um, all right, so talk to us about um, uh, advice you'd give lawyers facing malpractice or feel they've done something that, that could result in a problem or an issue. Well, I mean, what's on the short list? The best advice is work hard, organize yourself, don't make the mistake in the first place. And <laughs> those are simple things, right. but they're hard things yep. because people don't like working hard. They would rather get off early and go play a round of golf or go drink a beer or whatever it is people do. Right. And doing something right means it's going to be hard. Right. You have to work hard. You have to give it the correct amount of time. You have to organize yourself. Some people don't want to work hard. Some people are not organized. And so if you don't want to be a defendant in a legal malpractice case, make sure your practice is well organized, that you keep a calendar so you know where your deadlines are. Um, that's the best way not to get sued. Well, I think it is kind of human nature to look for that shortcut, right? Or, um, but sometimes the, um, the right path, like you said, takes that extra effort in the short run, but long-term it's going to benefit you. Well, hopefully, I mean, <laughs> some people would disagree with that. There are <laughs> thousands and thousands of lawyers who take massive numbers of cases and, you know, farm them out to their paralegals and right. their staff and they run them through sort of a factory and they make a lot of mistakes. And there are other lawyers like me that don't take as many cases and focus a lot on a single case. And I, I think that's a better way to get a good result, but it's a more expensive way. Everything costs. Right. Everything has its cost. Well, if you do that, I guess the, you know, the uh, old adage, if you do that high enough volume and you make some mistakes along the way, it kind of, you can just, that's kind of built into their business model, right? Yes. They just absorb that. They, they know that up front, right? Absolutely. That's correct. Yeah. Um, so talk to us about technology. We're talking to Jonathan, the uh, evolution of the music industry and uh, from vinyl to uh, lots to streaming. Uh, what have you seen in terms of technology for better or for worse uh, regarding the landscape you know, for cases that you've uh, worked on? Probably the biggest impact technology has had on my practice 
is the internet and email. I used to go to work. I could focus on a particular issue or drafting a particular brief or making a particular argument and my computer wasn't going crazy all day long with emails coming in. If a client had a question, they would call me on the phone. In two or three minutes, we could have a conversation. It's done. Now they don't do that. Right. Nobody wants to use the phone. They use the email. Right. And so I get hundreds of emails a day. Right. And I keep telling my clients, look, uh, it's expensive to have me email you back. Right. I don't type very fast. <laughs> Emails got wonderful uses. If I right. have to send out a message to 10 different people, yeah. you hit a button, they right. all get it. Right. If you need to attach documents, it's extremely helpful. But if you just have a question or a series of questions, pick up the phone, call me in two or three minutes, we'll deal with it. But they don't want it. Everybody's emailing. So it's made my day much more challenging I get my thought process work done at night, weekends, and during the day, I'm busy responding right. to client requests and Just all that on the internet. Inundated. All day long. Now, talk to us from the legal perspective of emails. I'm kind of curious of um, the Boone and Bank, or the uh, Yin and Yang, or whatever you want to do there. Is that, um, uh, is that in many cases, a great creates a paper trail and something that can be held up and documentation as opposed to a phone call? I mean, could that work for or against you, right? But they could also be manipulated, right? So, I mean, you can say this person sent you that email. You can just copy and paste and forward it, or I don't know that uh, how much validity they can say with absolute certainty that just because it's on a computer screen, right? Yes, I mean, what were your, your thoughts on Well, the emails can be tracked electronically. So emails are a wonderful tool for discovering truth. Okay. And that's ultimately what you're supposed to be doing in, in litigation right, is right. discovering truth. And people say things in emails that they're not willing to put in a letter. Right, right. And as you can see from the news the last 20 years, emails contain a lot of great information and they ultimately reveal truth. And it's extremely helpful. Yeah, they can save you or put you under in a... Um we don't talk too much politics here, but I was listening on the on the radio on the, on the way over this morning about uh, Hillary Clinton. Her whole campaign now is is up in the air based on her um, choices regarding email correspondence. People uh, don't do those things by mistake. Certainly not a Clinton. <laughs> she had a private server because she wanted to keep her emails to herself and not release them to the public. Right. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah, and. She got caught, and now she's dealing with it. And um, her uh, current opponent um, is, you know, almost caught up with her. I'm trying to think of the guy's name. Uh, Bernie Sanders? Yeah, is almost neck and neck in the polls. And now we got Biden was in town uh, over the weekend, whatever, throwing his hat in the ring. But um, we're not supposed to talk uh, politics. But because of your background with Reagan and the White House and all the litigation you've done in that arena, um, so is there a... You know, regarding the email, that's re very tricky, right? Yeah, it's going to cause her problems. Um, but, you know, we all realize the truth of this. It's very difficult to find an honest politician anywhere in America <laughs> of any party. Yeah, that's why Trump threw his hat in the ring or his hair in the ring. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, 
<laughs> I, talking I'm, about music, right. one of my favorite songs is a Billy Joel song okay. titled Honesty. Oh, yeah. That's I love tribute. that song because honesty is very rarely heard anymore. Right. We live in a world of massive corruption, not just from officials, but from everyone. And manipulation of the truth, like you said. I mean, that's, yes. that's your role is uh, to, to find that truth. Um, compelling uh, issues and, and uh, your background and um, great um, you know, insight into these topics. Uh, how would folks find out about your firm and uh, reach out to you? Don't send you an email, though, right? <laughs> Don't give out your email address, man. <laughs> most, most of our work comes from word of mouth, okay. but these days some actually does come from the Internet. Sure. Um, our web address is atlantalawfirm.net. Um, there's a lot of information there and background on myself and my partner. Um, they can call us at 404 888 if they still make telephone calls. Right. <laughs> <laughs> My email address is on our website. So. Right. Nice. Use that wisely, yeah. So, um, yeah, people do still make uh, phone calls. Every once in a while, I'm shocked when the phone rings over here. But uh, So maybe on my way home, I'm going to grab my car phone and, and give you a call. <laughs> <laughs> So um, uh, we're just about out of time here for this episode of Atlanta Legal Experts. A couple minutes remaining. I don't know if there's any um, uh, follow-up or cross-conversations uh, or um, uh, questions amongst our guests here. Um, if not, I would like to just maybe go around real quick. And um, uh, if you would just let our listeners know uh, one more time, we'll start with Lisa, um, how folks find out about you. But share with us, uh, take your, your business head off, your after hours on the weekend. Um, what do you like to do in terms of community uh, projects? Is there a, uh, an association that you're passionate about? Where's your Zen place or uh, family? What kind of uh, takes you away from, you know, work? A, a book or a destination you like to go to? Or well, thanks, Rich. That's a great question. I always love to take that hat off, but I like to put it on and take it off in the middle of the day. Um, mostly, I'm a mom, so I've got okay. a 19-year-old and a 16-year-old, and they've kept me busy right. most of the time. The two boys. Um, I run a couple of book clubs. I run oh, a book really? club uh, lo- um, with friends, and then I uh, am active in my synagogue, so also run the Sisterhood Book Club there. Love oh, to wow. read. Um, travel's good, but you know, between that and uh, managing my own practice, there's there's not a lot of that. And I like my dog. My dog and I walk every oh, really? day. Really? So What's your dog's that. name? Uh, Maggie. Shout out to Maggie. Shout I hope she's Maggie. listening. Right. Maggie, if you're listening, don't get in the trash can there. Yes, stand down. Um, uh, but you can get in touch with me again at Georgia yeah. Disability Lawyer Blog. You could Google Lisa Smith Siegel. And I usually pop up in a variety of locations, Facebook, Twitter, etc. I'd like to have a shout out to uh, uh, Matt Stroziak, who helps me with oh, my yeah. internet marketing because uh, he does a great job making sure that people can find me on the internet. Most of my clients actually do find me on the internet, so that's uh, uh, that is helpful. Though they use their phone too, so it's good yep. to give a phone call. And you can call me at four zero four two five five nine eight three eight. Yeah, I think Matt was here last week uh, in the he studio. He's a great He's awesome. proven law marketing. Yes, fantastic. B- big time, and um, yeah, with nineteen and six year old, you're just a few years away from empty nester, right? So <laughs> I'm getting close. enjoy the full I'm plate. More books to be read. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Thanks again, Lisa, for being on the show. And uh, Jonathan, uh, uh, what do you do when you're not um, uh, working on legal issues? Sure. Um, this is probably a trademark infringement, but right. the phrase came to mind. 
Are you ready for some football? <laughs> nice, nice. A football fanatic, college and pro. Oh, so, big time. You know, this time of the year, you know, it's just... Falcons are two for two, right, in the preseason. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. It's so exciting. But, you know, I kind of stick with my home teams, even though one of them's good and one of them's not so good. And who but, are those uh, folks? Uh? Well, Redskins and Ravens, okay. secondarily. So but, it doesn't uh, start with an R. You're not interested. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but I follow everyone. Yeah, yeah. But uh, as far as community... Um, I'm about to start again uh, this year on volunteering with Everybody Wins. It's a great local, well, it's not a local organization. It's a national organization. It's a reading program. Okay. And they match you with a student at a, who's below their reading level at an elementary school. You do it on their, on their lunch break. It takes about oh. a half hour of, of your time. Wow. You meet them in the cafeteria. You, wow. You get a book off the cart and you read and I'm telling you it's so rewarding so that's about that'll probably be starting up next month so I'm excited about that as well nice and for people who want to get in touch with me again it's atlshowbizlaw.com and also that same handle on twitter at atlshowbizlaw and stay tuned for Jonathan's show here at the Buckhead right. studio for uh coming soon yeah exactly nice um and uh Edwin well, I have three children and a grandchild. Oh, wow. So they're fun and yeah. keep me busy. Um, as far as community, I would say since the days of Vietnam, and I was very young then, I've been railing to anyone who will listen to me about the decay in the morals and honesty of America. Wow. And people are tired of hearing me say it, but I don't stop. I keep going because I take my citizenship seriously and I see my country going the wrong direction and I try to do something about it. Still the g greatest country there is, but if you don't keep your eye on the ball, right? Well, it, you know, uh, as, as Rome fell. I hear people say that all the time. Have you been to every country on yeah. the planet? Do you really know we're the best country on earth? Maybe we are. I don't know. Yeah, but, a, you know, even saying it seems to me to be just a little bit right. of arrogance and yeah. braggadocious. I, I just, you know, we're not good enough, and we need to be a lot better. No, I, I, I concur. Let's make America great again. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Trump, you need to come on the show because apparently uh, we're giving you way too many plugs here. Yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, remind our listeners again uh, how they would reach out to you. Uh, AtlantaLawFirm.net. Perfect. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, another great show here for Atlanta Legal Experts. And um, uh, tune in next week. Same show, same hour, um, and more exciting, compelling stories. We'll see you again uh, next week here in the studio.
Comcast Business gives you the bandwidth you need to power all your devices. Get started with 200 megabit internet and voice for $99.99 per month. And for a limited time, we'll upgrade your speed to 300 megabits for no additional cost for the first year with a three-year agreement. Call 1-800-501-6000 today. Comcast Business, beyond fast. Offering 3120 restrictions apply not available in all areas. New business customers only limited to Comcast Business Internet, 200 megabits per second and one voice mobility line. Regular rates apply after first 12 months. Three-year agreement required. Early termination fee applies. Equipment taxes and fees extra subject to change. Monthly service charge increases by $10 without paperless billing and auto pay. Every day, Comcast Business is helping businesses big and small go beyond the expected to do the extraordinary. Because beyond a simple transaction, there is making a customer for life. Comcast Business. Beyond fast. Take your business beyond at ComcastBusiness.com.